Well, good evening. Um, well, I would just like to say that um, Kirkpatrick did definitely not put me off um, going on for ministry. In fact, um, I really do look back on my time here um, with great fondness. Um, it really did um, impress upon my heart that I was going along the right path. Christoph, I asked Christoph, you know, what should I speak on tonight, or do you have any particular passage or anything? Christoph just just said, speak tonight on something that God has been teaching you recently. Um, and we did the book of Daniel uh, as part of a youth fellowship um, weekend a couple of, uh, well, basically a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I miss the, uh, the very late evenings and the very strange youth fellowship games that only come out at a residential. Um, I heard God speaking to me, um, and in particular from Daniel 4. So let's pray and approach. Father God, King of kings, Lord of lords, ancient of days, Lord, you humble the proud and display your glory throughout the world, even in fallen creatures such as us. Lord, may your word be revealed to us here this evening. Holy Spirit, apply its message to our lives as only you can. Amen. Perhaps you'd like to open your Bibles. I think it is page 887. We'll, we'll, be, we'll work our way through Daniel chapter 4. And I love the start of Daniel 4 um, read out for us, um, verses 1 to 3. Um, it really, it, it, to me, it gives the ending um, away right at the very start of the chapter. Um, Nebuchadnezzar here is putting God in the driving seat. Um, exclaiming God's amazing qualities of power, sovereignty, his eternal nature, and his care for the ways of man. Um, There's boasting in God going on here at the very beginning. And the lesson is obvious for us, um, even without needing to go further into the chapter. um, Honor God as king of your lives. But before you make for the exits and write to Union because Ben's finished early, I think we should be curious of the journey that Nebuchadnezzar and God brought Nebuchadnezzar on to get to this point. Nebuchadnezzar begins telling us his story in verse 4, explaining how at ease he was, um, how contented, how prosperous he was. The Babylonian golden years Um, if you would. Nebuchadnezzar, the great king of Babylon, the most powerful man in the most powerful political entity um, of the ancient world at that time, who leads the armies, whose treasuries paid for the great buildings in Babylon, who had power of life and death over people, um, as he saw it, uh, and no doubt as other people around him told it, um, he was the most powerful, important person in the world on the planet. But if my account of Nebuchadnezzar is setting off alarm bells, um, good, because isn't this the same Nebuchadnezzar who in the two previous chapters um, ended with Nebuchadnezzar declaring and testifying to the greatness of God? Um, Firstly, he saw the king of kings through Daniel's proclamation of an unheard dream and then the interpretation of that dream about the end of his kingdom and then secondly in the third chapter um, he witnessed God's three servants um, survive the fiery furnace 
On both accounts, Nebuchadnezzar's um, eyes and hearts were open to spiritual reality, the spiritual reality that God is king and man subject to his will. But by chapter 4, we see a Nebuchadnezzar whose pride has put him, self as a god, before the one true God. Um, And perhaps we shouldn't be so quick to wonder at how Nebuchadnezzar develops such spiritual ignorance. Um, Now granted, Nebuchadnezzar is a very dramatic example, and one that we may not relate to immediately. Um, After all, he did command unrestricted power um, over people in the ancient world that perhaps, uh, while we wouldn't even have um, an equivalent nowadays um, of someone with that kind of power. But the pride was still there in Nebuchadnezzar and it's still here today. Um, If we examine our own hearts, can we not see it? Um, Do we not look at our work, our families, uh, the letters after our name, or the letters that will come after study, and think like Adam did, or Nebuchadnezzar, my judgment is good, and I can be proud of my achievements. As the songwriter so arrogantly sung, um, I ate it up, I spat it out, Um, I faced it all, I stood tall, and I did it my way. In the past, I've been tempted to identify with that song, to look at my life and think, this is pretty amazing, without acknowledging Christ, um, who have so amazingly purchased for me salvation and freedom for sin. So how does God address it, and how does he address it in Nebuchadnezzar? Well, turning back to the story, simply put, God sends Nebuchadnezzar a nightmare Um, Verse 5, I had a dream that made me afraid. I was lying in my bed. The images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. Nebuchadnezzar was given a clear warning of a cosmic tree reaching into the heavens. Um, It was beautiful and provided protection for the birds and the beasts. Um, And suddenly a heavenly creature, a watcher, a holy one, in verse 13, Um, commanded the tree to be chopped down um, to the stump. Now, the tree, in the eyes of the watcher, represented a person. Um, And that person was to be exposed to life with wild beasts. And in verse 16, let his mind be changed from that of a man, and let him be given the mind of an animal, animal till seven times pass by for him. The watcher then explains what's happening, um, verse 17, so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets them over the lowliest of men. Certainly, I think, even before the interpretation um, provided by Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar and his advisors, um, his counselors, would have gotten the general message of doom and how this being reigns over the affairs of men. Um, so why didn't, Dan- why didn't Nebuchadnezzar wait to go to Daniel after all Daniel had been previously successful at interpretation was Nebuchadnezzar desperately seeking for some other interpretation rather than the one that he would find from the Daniel of the most high God the watcher had given clear instruction to Nebuchadnezzar in the dream um, acknowledge God as most high Surely, ne- surely Nebuchadnezzar didn't need Daniel to apply that to his life. Um, but Nebuchadnezzar didn't want to submit to God's word in this case. Um, maybe today there could be 
a danger of hiding our own disobedience to God's commands behind a lack, perhaps, of expert knowledge of the Scripture. Um, but like in Nebuchadnezzar's time, God's revelation is more than adequate to show his majesty and his power. And it compels us to turn to him. Romans 1, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly seen and understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. It's clear from Scripture that those who do not seek him or submit to him are without excuse, just like Nebuchadnezzar. So, unwilling to apply it to his life and unsatisfied with the counselor's interpretations, Nebuchadnezzar calls in Daniel with confidence that he'll provide skillful interpretation. Look at Daniel's response to the dream narrated. He was humble and hesitant to give the interpretation, taking no pleasure in delivering to the king, even though that this was the same king who had um, sacked Jerusalem and taken him captive and ordered him take, the, the Jews taken captive to Babylon. But his faithfulness spurred him on, um, telling Nebuchadnezzar clearly how he was the tree and how he would suffer the fate, that tree's fate, um, amongst the wild beasts and the mental state that went with it. The judgment, of course, was conditional. Daniel gives clear advice to avoid sin. In other words, to stop thinking himself as a god. Um, The warning is there for Nebuchadnezzar, and it rings true throughout the Bible, um, from Adam and Eve to the Tower of Babel, uh, where God intervened, reducing those who presumed to be godlike to humility, to the glorious account in the New Testament of God in control at the cross, defeating Satan and death through Jesus Christ. We need to be humble before God, the supreme maker, the creator, the captain of our soul, the author of our faith, rock of ages, the good shepherd. The first commandment spells it out for us. Do not have other gods before me. Daniel, through God, through Daniel, offers instruction also to Nebuchadnezzar. I can see here in verse 27, he taken, taken from Peterson's translation of the message, quit your wicked life and look after the needs of the down and outs. That humility before God drives us on to seek his ways, to show concern for the widows and orphans, as James referred, um, to put others first. This summer, I'd spent some time out in Burkina Faso, a small country on the Western Cape of Africa, with Mission Africa. Um, And myself and Reverend Fleck uh, went uh, to part in a conference with pastors Um, pastors of the evangelical protestant church out there and it was a really humbling experience for me um, as these pastors shared um, and told us basically how they had to work work on the farm long days to be able to feed their families um, and then pastor the community and the church and prepare sermons for sunday um, around that work Uh, and still find time to do it um, They're really a challenging example to me, I guess, um, of putting others first. Um, And I couldn't help but say as I was out there, um, how am I acknowledging God and putting others first in my life? 
back in the story, 12 months later, um, you can see, I can kind of see Nebuchadnezzar enjoying the view from the roof of his palace in uh, Babylon, perhaps taking in the view of the, the beautiful hanging gardens or the mighty city walls that we know Babylon had. His orders had probably certainly built some of that city, um, probably at the expense of the poor. And we know that he had great wealth. But pride blinded him to God and the warning, self-evident in the dream, spelt out by Daniel. And he was even given 12 months. Um, Nebuchadnezzar's heart was blind to God's word for his life. Nebuchadnezzar boldly makes the claim, Is this not the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? We read that no sooner than the words had left his mouth, God's sovereign judgment fell on his life. Now, historically, he might have achieved a lot, but he was fascinated by his own glory, caught up in it, and caught up in pride believing in himself to be a god uh, it's sad to read about what happened to nebuchadnezzar um, it's uh, the mental disorder pictured here is a very very humbling human experience um, to lose oneself and to lose one's identity to be excluded from the community it's not a pleasant picture but it's the tool in which the sovereign lord chose to humble this man. Nebuchadnezzar went from being the most powerful man in the world to roaming the fields like an animal, outcast from his achievements in Babylon. We serve the same God who is still able to humble the proud. And that can be a difficult equation to square sometimes. God humbles the, the proud, but when I look at the world um, around me through my TV or my PC screen, I see the culture of me. I see a culture has, that has no love for Jesus Christ, um, caught up in its own glory, its own pride. Um, and I do wish to distance myself from the Christ story in Luke 18 of the pious Pharisee who was content that he was a little bit better than everyone else. Um, no, we're all fallen creatures before God. All sin cuts us off. Um, but rather I approach it wondering why God would allow so much pride and self-centeredness in the world. <laughs> and I don't know, honestly don't know the whole answer. Um, some Bible authors have struggled with it. Um, God's sovereignty um, and perhaps the teacher in Ecclesiastes who sees evil prospering in the world. In the present, I may wander and sometimes struggle, um, but the future I can see clear in Revelations chapter 17, verse 14. Listen to this. They will make war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will overcome them because he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And with him will be his calling, his chosen and faithful followers. Brothers and sisters, it, it may appear obvious to us, but it does no harm to the soul to hear it over and over again that the ultimate victory is God's. He reigns supreme. This is what Nebuchadnezzar realized in the final chapter, part of the chapter. 
For if Nebuchadnezzar, if the disease was pride, then the remedy was humility before God. And at the appointed time, most would agree, probably about seven years. Um, at least that's what I've seen in the commentaries I read through. Um, probably seven years. Um, we read Nebuchadnezzar raised his eyes towards heaven and his sanity was restored. God reached in, saving Nebuchadnezzar. Um, before Nebuchadnezzar would have looked at Babylon and been filled with pride and self-worship. Now Nebuchadnezzar looks up to heaven and acknowledges God's ultimate superiority. We see he sees how he fits into divine God's divine order. His pride and sin had twisted his view and cost him everything. But repentance and now after repentance, his reason was returned to him um, and marked the beginning of his restoration to former glory. In his confession of verse 34, verse 35, he recognizes that he might be powerful as far as other humans judge, but God is in control of the universe. And moreover, in verse 35, he understands that everything is a gift from God, that he is dependent on God. And also in verse 37, God, Nebuchadnezzar recognizes God's will, even after what had happened to him. Um, he recognizes and says everything he has done is right and his ways are just. Healing came from the Lord to Nebuchadnezzar and it still does today. God alone can reach in to incur us of our insanity, of pride, of sin. He reaches in to save us and grants us freedom from sin through that work on the cross. Maybe we as Christians can still stumble. Um, and I know I do, still suffer like the Apostle Paul, um, who wrote in Romans 7, verses 21 to 25. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another work, another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man am I? Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul in the passage gives us the solution to the, our pride and our sin. Bring it to Christ Jesus our Lord. We need to turn our eyes heavenward as Nebuchadnezzar did for healing and in humble submission. Jesus Christ has freed us from sin and slavery. This baggage of sin, of pride, we need to give it over to the Lord, to Jesus. Say, Lord, I can't handle this on my own. I need your help. Reign in me, reign in my life. Don't let me put anything before you. Summing it all up for us is that last part in verse 37. For those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Nebuchadnezzar, in his heart and in his head, had removed God from his rightful spot as king of kings over all creation. He was clearly warned by God's word and through Daniel's revelation. He ignored it by glorifying it in himself. And God proceeded to shame the most powerful man on the planet, 
his fallen internal state and his mind and heart mirrored by his external appearance through those seven years. Only when grace reached in and Nebuchadnezzar looked up to heaven did the creation acknowledge the creator. And sometimes we stretch or grasp for application. Um, and I take comfort in the Holy Spirit. I don't know where you are in your lives, um, but God does. God speaking to me at that YF just really rechallenged me to live my life with God at the top, using my talents, um, but seeing, as them, seeing them as God-given. And the bit that I'm still working out and struggle with is living and working with others before self. And it's where we have our eyes, isn't it? Heavenward, like the king of Babylon at the start and end of Daniel chapter 4. Acknowledging God as the victor with whom our treasures should lie. We might not have the wonder of Babylon to glory in, um, but we still need to take it to heart boasting only in Christ and knowing nothing but him, relying on him to see us through whatever trials, troubles, good times, adventures, God-ordained times that are ahead of us. Let's pray in response. Lord God, The psalmist speaks your truth to us when he says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. Lord, be at the center of our personal and private lives. Lord, be at the top. And Lord, as we do that in our lives, Lord, I work that in our public life through our communities, Lord, through our families, jobs, wherever you place us, putting others before ourselves. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing in response um, the words of Merciful God from um, Townsend and Getty. And it really just sums up, um, puts God right at the top. So let's stand and sing in response, merciful God.